Outside Centre with Dr. Dark. Hello and welcome to this afternoon's show. In the studio with me this afternoon, I have Eileen Ward-Birch. Is that right? That's right, Paul. I wanted Because oh, I was going to say Eileen Birch-Ward, but I'm, I'm not very good on those kind of things. <laughs> so... Uh, Welcome. This is your se- you're a two time, aren't you? Because this is your oh, second. Yes. This is the second time in the studio, isn't it? It is indeed. And um, we're going to cover a lot of ground today, if I'm right, from poetry to the M1. <laughs> How are you today? Very well, thank you, Paul. Very well. Glad to hear it. And how's life in Bilston? Life in Bilston is thriving. Are you sure? I'm sure. I'm glad to hear it. Because uh, you've lived in Bilston for ever. Well, sort of. I've never technically lived in Bilston. Haven't you? No. Where do you live then? I was born in Wensbury. Yeah. We moved over to this area when I was two, and we technically lived in Cowsley, in the Lanesfield area of Cowsley, mm. simply because of where the boundaries were at the time. Mm-hmm. Then Wolverhampton took over and everything became part of Wolverhampton. I did go to school in Bilston, though. Mm. So you think of yourself as a Staffordshire girl rather than a West Midlander? I think of myself as a pure black country wench. Do you indeed? <laughs> I thought Wolverhampton... Wolverhampton's not in the black country, though, is it? Wolverhampton itself isn't, but Bilston definitely is black country. Right. <laughs> and is the black country important as a definition? Yes. Of identity? Yes. Why? Well, partly because we have it... Basically, when you speak black country proper, it's uh, it's a complete new dialect. <laughs> you mean uh, it's incomprehensible? <laughs> to not as else? incomprehensible as some, but I believe it's very difficult to copy properly. Right. Although the Brummies do try. Well, I, I can still understand <laughs> Brummies, but I still can't understand people from the black country. So let's uh, let's crack on, shall we? Uh, let's firstly talk. You've had a you've had a Bilston breakfast this morning, haven't you? I have, yes. And tell us what is a Bilston breakfast? Well, Bilston breakfast was started just over ten years ago by one of the vicars, and. He got together with other church members, voluntary groups, and went to the statutory groups, such as the job centre people and that sort of thing, people who were helping the unemployed and people who were involved in all sorts of things. And uh, basically, once every few weeks, we get together, we have breakfast, we've had all sorts of different ones, we've had Hindu breakfasts, we've had West Indian breakfast, we have Continental, sometimes we have a fry-up. That's the true Bilston breakfast, isn't it? The fry-up. <laughs> the true Bilston breakfast is the fry-up plus chips, I think, sometimes, <laughs> because they seem to put it on all day, don't they, in some cafes. And, and what do you achieve at a Bilston breakfast? What's, what's the kind of... It's basically networking between the voluntary and the statutory people and the churches, you know. Mm. So many people from different areas get together. I mean, this morning we had two, two or three people from groups who help unemployed people, you know, find work. Mm. We had people from the college. Mm. We had the fire service. We had uh, a police officer. 
me. We had the gentleman from the uh, Zip Theatre that's in the town hall. Mm-hmm. You know, and people from the Prince's Trust. And the Prince's who, Trust the, have got an office in Bilston. Yes. And, and this is where we held the breakfast. Right. And where was that then? Where's the Prince's Trust in Bilston? Well, it's not an obvious office, the Prince's Trust. You go round the back of the Robin 2, there's a little street there. Mm. It's only a narrow little street, but there's a good car park there. So a lot of people do go up and down. You can only drive one way. Mm. And uh, the Prince's Trust office is actually above the uh, town centre company's office. I know, I know. And so you were there representing who? The Pensioners' Convention this morning, although I did mention one or two of my other groups as well because I always try to get everybody in. (laughs) And so who who are the one or two other groups? Well, I belong to the Women Who Write, which is a writers' group for women based at the Community Centre in Bilston. Mm, It's a women's only group. It is a women's only group. Sorry, Paul. Oh, well. I'll have to I shave my think... beard off. <laughs> I've got big enough breasts, but I'm afraid the beard's a bit of a giveaway. I don't think we could sneak you in somehow. <laughs> I'm devastated. <laughs> and, and, and the other group? And uh, there's the um, United Ex Service Council I'm also a member of, so they got a bit of a mention because it's coming up to Armistice Day. And Indeed. Well, we'll have a little talk about that. We need to get that. people turning out. We will. We'll have a little talk about that in a minute. So let's start uh, with the one writers group <clears throat> because you're going to read a few poems for us today, aren't you? I will read you one or two, yes. One or two. Or... Well, let's start with a poem then. You read us a poem and I'll turn my microphone off. So tell us what it's called and... And and then then, then read it. Last Saturday night at the Imperial in Bilston, that's the Imperial Banqueting Suite. That's in Bilston, yeah? Which is on the main Litchfield Road. It's opposite the Town Hall, actually. Mm -hmm. was originally a cinema, and it's been all sorts of things, including a bingo hall since. And... uh, And you have poetry slams. We had a poetry slam there, yeah. And what's a poetry slam? A poetry slam is a knockout competition between poets. Now, this may seem odd to those who've never been to one, but it is really good fun. You go along, you you have to book your place to compete. And you have to write your own poetry mm-hmm. and perform it. Mm-hmm. You, There are three rounds... They're knockout rounds, so if you're out in the first round, tough luck, as I was. <laughs> but, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> and So you're uh, going to read us a losing poem, is that what you're going to tell us? <laughs> and uh, at the Bilston ones, actually, we have... Uh, it costs £10 to get in normally, but we do give you a curry at in the interval <laughs> a nice freshly made curry uh, and so what uh, so you get supper as well <laughs> and how many how many people entered this uh, this there are 12 
It is limited. Mm. And what, was the winner a worthy winner? She was, yes. She wasn't one of our group, but she was definitely a worthy winner. I'm glad to hear. So which poem are you going to read to us? I'm going to tell you about the night of the Halloween party. Because this is the last chance that you'll get to hear it before we actually... It gets put away and if you're lucky it'll get in a book. Well, if I'm lucky it'll get in a book. So... We hung up the decorations, the curtain net webs and the plastic spiders. Then we was waiting in our costume, dressed all in black in a changing room, the night of the Halloween party. There was Maisie the boss lady, or Flossie and me, waiting our turn, the witches three, waiting our turn to perform, you see, the night of the Halloween party. Maisie got flustered. Well, she always did. She got flustered because her husband Sid, her husband Sid was in charge. Uh-uh, the night of the Halloween party. Well, Flossie produced a big bottle of gin, took our cups of tea and poured it right in. Poured it right into the tea she did the night of the Halloween party. Suddenly we heard out in the hall, Come on, witches, come here, dark hall. We all rushed out into the room. Flossie fell over her witch's broom the night of the Halloween party. There were the curtains drawn right back, placed on a table draped in black. Dracula's coffin, a wardrobe from the bonfire. The night of the Halloween party. Rise, Dracula, rise, we all chanted. And Dracula began to appear. A child at the rear said, have no fear, he kicked Dracula in the rear the night of the Halloween party. While Dracula's coffin began to sway, we three witches moved out of the way. Suddenly, we heard a loud crack. The wardrobe had split right down the back the night of the Halloween party. Poor old Dracula fell out of his box. Shoes came off, showed the holes in his socks, frightened the kids with a mighty roar, then got to his feet and made for the door. That was the night of the Halloween party. Well, we all followed him out the back, but everything there had gone jet black. Nobody there, nothing stirred, except the hooting of an old owl bird. The night of the Halloween party. Well, suddenly, what did we see? A great big bat flew out of a tree, winked at me as he fluttered past, and that, folks, was really the last of the night of the Halloween party. Are you a big fan? Better turn my microphone back on. Are, are you a big fan of Halloween? Well... <laughs> You're not sure, are you? It's... Uh, it's difficult to explain, Paul. You see, I, I, I'm a spiritualist. Mm. And we have a different connotation sometimes on Halloween. Some of us, you know, I mean, especially those of us who are not strictly Christian. Mm -hmm. So what's a spiritualist? Well, you believe that there is the life on the other side and that, yeah, you and know, we contact, contact and they're mm. with us and... 
different people have different beliefs, don't they? It's like any any other mm-hmm. belief, so you are, know. Are you a spiritualist believer, or do you, or can you contact them yourself? Um, I wouldn't say I can contact purposely, although I've had visits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. And is that why you're a, why you're a spiritualist? Because yes. they visited you. Yes, I've known, you know. Mm-hmm. And, of course, my mother was. Yeah. So, naturally, she introduced me to it as a, you know, because it was part of her life. Right, right. And, and I didn't grow up with any prejudice either way then. So does, so does that mean you're not a Christian or you're a Christian as well? Well, my mother was a Christian as well. My faith is a little different. Mm-hmm. Hmm. In what sense? You mean you don't have it? I, I don't normally discuss my faith in public, <laughs> right. Paul. Okay, well, well, we'll move on from there. <laughs> that, that was something I didn't know about, you see, so I was, that was a surprise to me. So that was, that's why we went down that route. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so you came last, basically, in the Poetry Slam. No, no. You got knocked I out in the to, first round. Just... I got knocked out in the first round, yes. But, you know, so did several others. <laughs> <laughs> and how often do you have poetry slams then? Well, we have... The first two we had on an annual basis, which were the love slams. We have that remember, February. You, you talked about that last time you were on, I think. Yes, and we've got another one coming up early February this coming year. And that's a love slam and that'll be a competition? That'll be the same, yes. A good night out. So that'll be around February the 14th, logically. Somewhere around there, yes. And does the does the group that holds these have a website? The group that... The Poetry the Slam. The people who organise yeah. it. Uh, it is... Uh, it's Spiel, the name. Mm. S-P-I-E-L. Mm. And they do have a website. If you look up Spiel, you can't miss them. Yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And so you also mentioned that, uh, well, first of all, tell us about the motorway, the M1. You've got a story about the M1, yes? Well, yes. I mean, my dad, he was a lovely old character. Mm. He was actually turned 40 when I was born because I was uh, the child of his second marriage. Mm. And all his life, he'd been in haulage. Mm. He started out with horses and carts because his father had horses and carts. Mm. And he was a big lover of the horses. He used to lose on them occasionally, but he was still a big often lover of I the horses. Often I imagine. <laughs> and uh, when he graduated to wagons and stuff, and he eventually went into his own business as a haulier, self-employed. And he... You know, he used to love driving, mm. even in those harsh conditions. You know, he's always he was always around motors. So when the M1 opened, he got this itch. And that's fifty years. Fifty years ago, yesterday. Yes. Fifty years ago, yesterday. Or was it Monday? It could have been Monday. Mon- it's this Monday. Week. It's fifty Monday. years this week. And uh, he got this itch to drive it because he's. When he took us out, he was rather fond of a little bit of foot down. Speed. Yes. Mm. You know, he was always very safe. And so he 
he decided we were going to drive the M1. Mm-hmm. So we did. He packed us all up. Had to have the shop looked after because we got the shop then. And uh, I believe he was still working for the GPO at the time in Lanesfield. Mm-hmm. Mother looked after the shop, but we still had to have it all sort of cared for while we were away for a night, even one night. Mm-hmm. Packed, there was him and myself and one of the neighbours who was sort of a surrogate granny for us, for me, you know. And I'm the only child from the second marriage, so there were no more children to worry about. Mm. And he drove us up to London on the M... It was quiet in those days, the M1. (laughs) (laughs) And his little old Austin... Well, I say little, it was an Austin 16. He was very fond of his car. Mm. You know, he liked a good, solid car. And that was after it just opened? Not long after it had opened, he got this urge. He got to do it. So we did. We went up to London and we had a tour of London and we were part way round on the embankment and the uh, car stopped. He shouted at us all to get out and follow him. We trotted across behind him to the wall of the embankment just in time to see our bridge opening. <laughs> Uh, you don't see that too often now, either. Well, you don't, do you? You don't. And I don't think I've ever seen it open. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah. It does still open, it though, does. occasionally. It does, but uh, I think they're rare occasions. Yeah. So I think they do it to keep the mechanisms working. Well, the M1, 50 years, goodness me. I, I read that within the first couple of years, it was like 20,000 cars a day on it, and now there's something like 120,000. Yeah. Per, per stretch or something. So, ah, oh, car crazy. Read us another poem. Oh, what would you like? You choose. Ah. How'd you like to hear about my teaspoons? Absolutely. You see, I never thought this sort of poetry was right until I saw Wendy Cope perform it and I read Wendy Cope. And when you say this kind of poetry, what do you well, mean? Well, it's the shorter, snappier stuff. Right. You know. Okay. I, w- I was brought up in a school where we read... Lengthy Wordsworth tracks. and... Oh, I know, oh, I know. Milton and... And are you a fan of Wendy Cope? Oh, I am. Yes, definitely. She's my style. Is she the new Poet Laureate? No. Who's that? Oh, uh, Duffy. Carol, Carol Ann Duffy. That's it, yep. Mm. So Wendy Cope's more your style, right? Yes. Because I was wondering one day... Where do all the teaspoons go when I leave them in the drawer? Does something devilish come sneaking by and take them away into the night? Perhaps I go dancing with my dainty cake forks, or maybe they just take each other for walks. Are they the ones making tracks in the snow? Where do all the teaspoons go? Short and snappy. Short and snappy, Paul. Absolutely right. You didn't mislead me there, that's for sure. Oh, well... (coughs) So, uh, you mentioned uh, one of the groups you represent is the United Ex-Servicemen's... What was the rest of it? It's the United Ex-Service Council. No. Well, I wouldn't say represent. It's one of the groups that I talk about when I talk about. Well, yeah, and you are the webmaster. I am, yes, at present. So, tell me, what is it? What is the United Ex? 
Well, it's yes. kind of an umbrella group that brings together several of the ex-servicemen's groups, you know, the mm. Marines, the RAF, the Merchant Marine. Burma the Star. Merchant. I believe they are associated with us, yes. Mm-hmm. And there are some gentlemen in the group who go and provide standard bearers for various... Unfortunately, funerals, mm-hmm. you know, but they have to be done and they they go along to... Sometimes it's been... Once or twice it's been a, a young lad come back from Afghanistan or Iraq. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's an old soldier or, you know, mm-hmm. whose family have said, yes, you can come along and... So what is the uh, website? Well, the website's basically, I've, I've not been developing this one very long, but it does put you in contact with us and it tells you a little bit about us. And if they just search uh, on Google, they'll come across it, won't they? I should think so. And so as a result, I presume Armistice is very important to you. It is. And, and why? Why is that? Well, it's the big time of year in a way to remember, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But do you think people remember it in the same degree that they always used to, or do you think it's waning a bit? Younger people I, aren't that interested. I don't think the younger people are, you know, in the same way. I mean, my father, having a shop that opened on Sundays, always used to reckon that was his holiday, was that two-minute silence. Mm. It's the only time he got a chat. He could really say that the customers were not going to come in the shop, and he used to get very angry if they did. Mm-hmm. because we opened on Sundays mornings the same, you know, all year round. And what did they sell in the shop? Well, it was a, <laughs> it was a general green grocery and grocery, you know, all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Of course, originally we were supposed to be restricted by the Sunday trading mm. in what you, what you could sell. You could sell certain things, but not others. Perishables, is that, is that right? You could sell potatoes fresh. But not a tin of potatoes and stuff like that, you know. It was. Mm. There is. I have actually got a copy in the house of the original notice that we had that told us exactly what we could and could not sell. And I intend to do an article about it eventually when I get round to it. I look forward. <laughs> I look forward to reading that article. Uh, and so, what, where will where will you be uh, on Armistice Parade this year? Well, on the 11th, I'm actually booked in for an appointment at the doctor's. Um, <laughs> no, I shall be out on parade at the right time, I hope. Mm-hmm. I uh, hope. And you'll be going to service well. is it this Sunday or next Sunday? It's the coming Sunday, and uh, my husband and myself are off for a weekend, so we shall be going on parade where we are. Mm-hmm. You know, which uh, we're going to Southport, mm-hmm. which has a Big war memorial. It is magnificent. It runs almost the length of Lord Street. I think I've seen it. Yes, it is a really big one. And their parade there is usually very good. Mm. So we should probably go to that. In the studio with me, I have Eileen Ward-Birch, local poet and legend, as uh, we like to say, uh, (laughs) here at uh, WCRFM. And we're going to start straight in with another... An emotional poem. Right. This is called Where Is My Mum? 
Who are all these people? What are they doing here? Why are they dressed in black? Where's my mum? Who's upset my daddy? What's all this food for? Why's our Annie crying? Where's my mum? Who's in that box? What's she doing in there? Why can't we get her out? Where's my mum? Will you hold my hand, Daddy? Where are we going? Will she come back with us? Where's my mum? I saw her last night. She sat on my bed. She sang a song to me. She can't be gone forever. I hate this dress. I hate black dresses. Thank you, Paul. Excellent. Uh, About your mother, yes? Actually, my mum was the little girl. Right. Right. And so what inspires you to write poetry? Oh, all sorts of things. You know, I mean, the one about the teaspoons. I just got to the kitchen drawer one morning and knowing I've got dozens of teaspoons and there wasn't one to be found. Mm -hmm. But they weren't waiting in the washing up or anything, so... They seem to have just disappeared and gone for a walk. <laughs> uh, another one I wrote, I, I went around doing a project looking at different churches in Wolverhampton, different styles mm. for a pho- photo- photography project I was doing mm-hmm. for one of my online groups that I belong to. And I went to St Philip's in Bradmore. Mm. There they've got a nice little war memorial. And they got the poppies out and they were fading, you know. It was looking, they were looking very bedraggled. And that Mm. inspired another little verse. Mm. Have you got it there? I have. Let's hear that one then. Yes. Paper poppies perishing in the sun and rain, left in remembrance of a great war. Names of those who never returned, listed for all to read and recollect. The stone soldier stands above, a symbol of those who have gone before, waiting for the last of those left below to join them in eternal peace. Very, very touching. Do you try specifically to touch people's emotions with all of your poems, even the short, sweet ones about teaspoons? Is that what poetry is to you, touching people's soul? I try to pour my thoughts out, Mm. my soul, and Mm. maybe I do touch one or two people's as well. You know, I do have people say to me when I've done such as the City Voices and that, oh, Mm. you know. Mm. Mm. As you mentioned City Voices, what's City Voices? City Voices is once a month in the City Bar in Wolverhampton there's readings from poets and short storytellers and people, you know, tell us bits and pieces about their lives that they're writing. And we have recently started the same up in Bilston at the Cafe Metro. Mm-hmm. And how often do you meet in Cafe Metro? Once a month. We're not going to have one in December because it falls at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and, and but uh, the yeah, next one is... On the last Thursday of the month. And are they open for other members to join? Anybody can come and t- come and watch. And you're invited. 
different people from different writing groups within the area are invited to take part so that we get a good variety. Mm. You get a bit of a variety showing all, you know, although it's all sort of written word and no... You get a summer comic. Sometimes you get a sad little thing like mine that mm. I've just written. And, and are you always looking for new writers to join? Well, women who write are, certainly. And all, the other writers' groups, I'd... I haven't got a contact for them except for Simon Fletcher, though. Yep, Simon but, Fletcher. Well, like, if people want to email me, dark at WCRFM, I, I can, uh, WCRFM.com, I'll give you the whole thing. I can put them in contact with uh, Simon Fletcher. Simon Fletcher's the City Council Literary Officer. He is. I believe, who sets up uh, writing groups across the city. And there is a learning disability group hopefully starting soon as well. In the studio with me, I have Eileen Ward-Birch, local poet. We have mentioned also that you have quite a significant role in the Pensioners' Convention. Mm. Tell us about the Pensioners' Convention. Wolverhampton Pensioners' Convention has been going for some time now. It's affiliated to the regional Pensioners' Convention and the national one. Mm. We have monthly meetings, last Friday of the month. Next one is... The end of Dece- the end of November, and it will be our annual general meeting. And where will that be? It's at the Civic Centre. Are they always at the Civic Centre? They're always at the Civic Centre, unless it's absolutely jam-packed and we can't have a room. And that's mainly in the main uh, room, whatever it's called. The council chamber. The council chamber, that's the word I was mm. looking for. The main yes. debating chamber for, chamber for the council. Nice uh, comfy seats in there. Nice comfy seats and microphones. <laughs> and microphones. Yes. Which is always good for the deaf. And I know that a lot of the elderly are deaf, but more importantly, I'm deaf. So, uh, well, I can't hear very well, so. And, of course, it's got the loop. The loop. And so what kind of people do you have coming to speak? We have all sorts. We've had uh, Deborah Gabbe from the uh, Energy Saving Trust. We had last on uh, last Friday, on the 30th, mm-hmm. we had a young lady who was at the University of Staffordshire been actually researching deafness. Mm-hmm. And a lady to talk about strokes. Mm-hmm. We had to talk on strokes. How prevention and how to spot one, how to spot one, how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had all sorts of people along. We've not had a police officer or a fire officer for a very long time, so I've got those in my sights for the back end of next year. So, have you got anyone coming for the AGM? We haven't a special speaker for the AGM. And you, you won't have a special speaker? No. And it'll all be about the business of the organisation? It will indeed. So it's going to be a bit of a, well, I won't say a dry meeting because we never have a dull meeting. And <laughs> Believe pe- you me. <laughs> and people can come and observe it, can't they? Oh, you can come and observe, even if you're not a member, but you can't vote. And so to, to join, do you have to pay? It's a £2 fee at the moment to join. A year. A year, mm-hmm. which is very reasonable compared to many groups. sounds reasonable to me. And we do ask, though, that you have a little go on the football card. Right. And so how long has that been? Is that the Grey Wolves? Well, it has also been known as the Grey Wolves, although we are trying to sort of move away from the 
the name a little bit in that we had one or two complaints about the grey wolves' name as such. <laughs> Not from the wolves, I might add, but from somebody who thought we might be a terrorist organisation. <laughs> or maybe we should be. Then we might get a better pension for everybody. <laughs> and so and the aim is for the uh, Pensioners' Convention in the run-up to the election is to get all the potential candidates to come... Uh, either together or at one meeting or a number of meetings? Well, we couldn't obviously get everybody who's standing for the parliament in the city to one meeting. We would never get everybody to have a full chance to speak. So you do a a constituency at a time? I'm planning to do them by constituency. Now, the three Labour candidates have already agreed. We're banking on a May general election, by the way. So, Gordon, keep to it, please. I've got my (laughs) (laughs) programme cut out for the year, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, I get three vacant spaces (laughs) suddenly. (laughs) But uh, And uh, one or two of the other candidates have agreed, you know, tacitly. We can't be certain, can we? I mean, he might go to the Queen tomorrow and say, Hey, Liz, can we have a general election like? I love the idea (laughs) that he calls her Liz. (laughs) <laughs> at least he, he, he probably doesn't make a curtsy to him like Tony Blair probably did. But, uh, <laughs> and, Mr. President. Mr. President. <laughs> so how, how, how long has the uh, Pensions Convention been going then? It's a long-term organisation, oh, it? Oh, it is very long-term, yes. It's uh, about 15 years now, I believe. And, and why, why would one join it? If you Sell it to someone. Sell it to a... To an older person. Well, for one thing, you're getting together with other people of similar age and experiences. Mm -hmm. For another, you're learning about different things in life. Every speaker brings something different to us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a way of connecting with people. And a lot of people go away from our meetings knowing something or being able to help themselves with something that they did not know before. And it's not party political, is it? Oh, definitely not. You try and be as fair and even as possible. Yes. Much like myself. (laughs) Much like myself. So how about you read us another poem? Uh, What would you like, Paul? I'd like a good one. A good one. (laughs) (laughs) In the sense that I know they're all good ones, so I'll leave it up to you to choose. Um, have I told you the one about the little spider? Did I do that last nope, time? No, I don't think no. you did. I don't think you did. Because, you know, we do have little spiders in our house at this time of year. And they're not always so little either, are they? I've seen some really massive ones. Some are quite big, aren't they? Mm. And uh, my friend Violet Flame, mm-hmm. bless her, said you should talk to the spiders if you don't like them in the house and you Mm. should ask them if they would mind going somewhere else. (laughs) You do feel daft standing there talking to a spider, but, you know, (laughs) that little voice you hear in your head is his reply. Uh, I'll say it's when he replies, that's when you feel a little Mm. bit daft. And I spoke to one, and this is what he told me. He says, I am the little spider Fred. I sit above the door. I'm the one you throw at when I run across the floor. 
I watch you when you're dressing, when you brush and comb your hair. I look when you are bathing, the overflow's my lair. And when you sit upon the loo, from beneath the seat I come. I reach out with my tiny feet and tickle your bare bum. In the studio with me, I have Eileen Ward-Birch. Tell us about Hope. Well, Hope is a network of older people's organisations that I chair. And we have regular information days of services that are available to older people. Mm -hmm. I'm usually there, so if you want to come and throw tomatoes because you don't like my poems, I'm there. I'll be at the next one, I hope. And so what does HOPE stand for? Helping older people engage. And when and where is this next uh, event? The next event is down at Bradmore Community Centre on the 20th, starting at about 10.30 in the morning. Excellent, excellent. But you're here to read poems, by and large. That's what we've got you in for. So we've got time, I think, for a couple more. You can read quite long ones. I think we've got four or five minutes, so... You pick two of your favourite poems and let's let's give them a crack. Right. Um, now, I've just closed the book. You've closed the book now. You're going to have to look through it again, aren't you? Yes, I have, yes. You didn't expect me to say you could read a cracking long one, did you? No. You choose. Uh, Take your time. It's always good to have pace. It's always good, isn't it? Uh, We'll try this one. Okay. Another little bit on the sad side at first. We like a bit of misery on this show. (laughs) This is uh, black and white. She was born in a flurry of white sheets. Her mother wore pink. Her father wore black. Her christening gown was lacy white. Her mother wore brown. Her father had a new black suit. Her anniversary dresses were white. Her mother wore blue. Her father wore his black suit. Her wedding dress was a dream of white. Her mother wore beige. Her father had a new black suit. Her morning dress was formal black. Her mother wore black. Her father wore white. And what's that one about? Basically, the black and whites in life, in a woman's life. Read us another one. Well, I went to the Arena Theatre, and like most theatres, the ladies' loos are a little confined when you're my size. Not, you mean they're massive, because you're a slender lass. I mean, <laughs> the, yes. <laughs> Nope, ladies' toilets are always a bit small. Ladies' toilets do tend to be a bit on the small side when you're a little on the large side. In fact, they're on the small side sometimes for women who are small. I agree. And, you know, if you need to have room to turn round, you're sometimes a bit confined. So this little verse came to mind. Why are ladies loose so tiny? Plastic boxes bruise my hiney. Hardly room to turn around, only paper to be found, is on the floor wet and grubby. Wish I could stand up like my hubby. (laughs) Very good, although I must point out that I think the Arena Theatre are planning to redevelop their toilets. So I think you should send them that one, Eileen, so that they can at least get the uh, roomier ones, uh, uh, which would be good. 
Right, I think we've got time for one more quite long one. How's that? You've got two minutes. Two minutes. Okay, read us a two-minute poem. Uh, I haven't got a two-minute poem under my hand, but I've got two one-minute ones. There you go, read them both. Two shorty ones. Well, there's Grandma's tray cloth, a sea of shining white. Grandma's tray cloth sparkles, splashes of purple, yellow, blue, stitched pansies, fairy faces. Gaze up into her teary eyes while her solitary meal goes untouched on the tray, balanced on thin, worn knees covered by her widow's weeds. Brilliant. One more. And... One that I have been asked, I've performed it once and I kept getting asked to perform it again. So let's give it a a last go before we can sign it to the uh, futures box. This is Twiggy. I've never been a Twiggy. Stick insect thin, I primped and posed, showing off the latest clothes. Apart, they called it by Mary Q. Glossy flannel reflecting light, squares and blocks of white on black, swirls and circles of black on white, shiny white boots up to my knees, hair lustrous smooth, never a mess. Now I'm the face of M and S. Very good. Twiggy must haunt people who are larger than life, such as you and I, Eileen. Ah, yes, but Twiggy doesn't get us to. Uh, sit for portraits as much as me (laughs) that's true that's true these days well we're coming to the end of the show so thank you for coming on thank you it's been uh it's been very interesting uh i've loved the poetry and hopefully uh i'll put them up on the website and you'll be able to listen to them again etc and so good journey back to uh bilston that's not bilston is it somewhere (laughs) else so uh thank you for coming on the show 